everybody! Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is the ever-so-merry Jonathan Strickland. I'm on vacation! <laughs> that's why you're ever-so-merry, I'm assuming. Uh, I'm certainly I'm certainly extremely merry right now. Yeah, in fact, I'll be going to uh, Mickey's very merry Christmas party in a few days when I go down to Florida. But right now I'm still in Atlanta and we wanted to make sure we got an episode in before I went on vacation mm -hmm. because uh, right now we don't know whether or not we'll be able to record one next week. I hope we can, uh, but mm -hmm. I'll be traveling back on. We, we record on Fridays and I'll be traveling back on Friday and I still have to go and pick up my dog from uh, my parents' house which is not close to the Atlanta airport, nor is it that close to my house. So we'll see <laughs> whether or not Ariel wants to stay up that late and record an episode. Yeah, well, well, and we'll see if you are feeling up to it, too, because, you know, that is if, fair. if you aren't, then that's good. That's going to make for some interesting listening. So, yes, that's true. We could get a very grouchy Jonathan. Like, yeah, whatever. Let's talk about this geek crap. Um. And it'll be the all Grinch episode. It'll be all Grinches all the time. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Um, <laughs> we're going to we're going to chat first about stuff what we have seen recently, because both Ariel and I actually have something to talk about uh, in this segment before we go to our 30 seconds or less. So, Ariel, tell me about your experiences watching geeky stuff over the past, you know, couple of weeks. Sure. Uh, so I finished the season two of Loki, which was fun because I picked it back up right after the Calamity finale. And it was the episode where they're in Chicago at the World's Fair. And so that just felt very uh, thematically appropriate. Um, but I finished it. I liked it. It was fun. Um, I don't think I liked it as much as season one, but I liked it. I watched all of this Scott Pilgrim uh, Takes Off, which is the Netflix cartoon series. And that was just such a delight the first episode if you haven't watched it yet but you like scott pilgrim and it's on your list i'm gonna warn you the first episode starts off and you're like am i just watching the movie again but that's not the case stick with it it's ridiculous make sure you watch the credits at the end because the guest stars that they have doing voice work on the show is also phenomenal um and then i watched the first doctor who episode of the new series and i loved it i loved it i was so good to have russell t davies back i thought it was a fun story I learned that my cat, uh, if anybody's on the Discord saw me post this, that my cat is actually a Doctor Who alien um, because we've, they've been talking about it a little bit over there. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was, uh, I just thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a lot of fun. I loved seeing Donna back. And then I watched the first episode of Invincible, but uh, I won't talk about that because. Um, That's what I watched. I'm not the most. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, did you watch the first episode of season two of Invincible or the first episode of Invincible yes. full stop season two? Got it. Of season yeah. two, because I was like, I need something that's a little bit lighter than Barry. And I think I might have chosen wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, Invincible is grim and gory and violent <laughs> and depressing. Huh. Uh, season two is real depressing. So if you're not familiar with the concept of Invincible, the story is that uh, there's this incredible Superman like superhero named Omni Man who um, has a son and his son takes on the superhero name of Invincible. And 
His son is learning how to use his powers and everything. And then his son finds out that his dad isn't all he thought he was. He's not a hero at all. He's a terrible, 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 terrible person. And uh, that's putting it lightly. And season one is pretty much all about how that kind of leads up to a big confrontation. Season two is kind of the aftermath of that and uh, people trying to pick up the pieces and move forward and people living with the choices they made. And there's a lot of comedy in the show. It's not like it's all super dark and grim. It's kind of like the boys in that it has this, this take on the superhero genre that is not like the bright, shiny Superman take on it. Uh, that's much more dark and gritty. Uh, Season two has some interesting episodes that are not all about the character Invincible, which is kind of interesting as well. Um, And they're releasing this season in two chunks. So the first chunk was four episodes. So I watched all four of them because I had watched the first season uh, and I enjoyed it, which is a weird thing to say, because sometimes I was very, very upset while watching it. But I thought it was very well done, Uh, whereas Ariel watched a lot of stuff that she found delightful. This was not delightful, but it was compelling. That's that's good to know. Would you say that it's darker than Barry? The final no, season? no, I would say that Barry. OK, Barry's final season is bleak. <laughs> like it is bleak. Okay. Um, okay. Barry's final season is bleak, especially. Gosh, there's some ooh, there's some hard stuff in that final season. Um, OK. Yeah, I think which is why I'm watching Invincible first. <laughs> it's two different. Like it's hearted. two very different kinds of of dark, right? Like mm-hmm. Barry, it's watching a tragedy unfold because you are already pretty sure where this is going to lead. Like it's hard to imagine Barry ending with a happy ending. Like it's just hard to imagine that being possible. And so you're really just watching a train wreck in very slow motion unfold. Uh, Invincible, mm-hmm. there's still a possibility of a happy ending, but the odds are high that it's going to cost an awful lot to get there. Yeah, I will say um, I find Invincible easier to watch than The Boys because it's not. Not live action. It, f- it doesn't feel as gross, like there's a lot of violence and there's a lot of gross stuff in there. Yeah, but well, I feel Invincible, like it's a more compel- compelling story. Invincible doesn't have the uh, other form of abuse besides just, like Invincible's violence is all just pure violence. You don't have a lot of like uh, male on female uh, forced violence kind of stuff that happens in the boys. Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah. in the, like in the boys first season, that's a thing. And it it doesn't let up first episode. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like it is beyond unpleasant. Um, Very compelling television, but incredibly unpleasant. Uh, Invincible does not have that element, but it is really dark. Gotcha. I, uh, I did watch one more thing today uh, before popping on. So I didn't add it to the notes, but uh, dropout has released a trailer for their new show. Very important people. And if you haven't seen it, Jonathan, or anybody who has dropout who also listens to our show. I know there's a couple of you. Um, it looks so much fun. I laughed so hard at one point. My husband called out from the other room to ask if I was okay. Um, so I'll have to check that out. Oh, 
I did also want, I, I did I talk about this last time? I don't think I did. Cause I think I watched it in between, but tell me if I did. Uh, I watched the whole hell house series. You did talk about watching some horror movies. I don't remember which ones. It might've been the hell house series. So out of, out of consideration, I will not dive into my thoughts on, on the hell house series. Apart to say that, if in case this is reiterating uh, parts one and four, I thought were good and parts two and three, I thought were entertaining in parts, but otherwise not that good. <laughs> hey, start and finish strong. And what's in the middle doesn't matter as much. Yep. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, I think that leads us well into our 30 seconds or less segment, which again is honestly like when we get through this and we start talking about the stories in our main lineup, Arguably, they all could have been 30 seconds or less, but we'll see. Yeah, um, this might be a shorter episode, so we'll see. Maybe it'll all be 30, like a minute and under. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, so the first thing we have is Shane McGowan passed away. Uh, if you don't, if don't know him, he was the front man for the Pogues. I think he was 65 when he passed. Yes, yeah, 65. Um, uh, he passed away from encephalitis. He honestly hadn't been healthy for quite a while. Um but he passed peacefully with his family and friends. You know, it's it's sad that it happened right now because uh, the Pogues wrote Fairy Tale of New York, which is a Christmas song, and now we're hitting the Christmas season. So I don't know if that's uh, poetic irony or if it's just sad. Um, but certainly his passing is sad, and to everybody who loved him, you know, our condolences. Yes, and and I know 30 seconds or less, but I'm a huge Pogues fan. That's no, fine. Uh, Kirsty McCall, who I'm surprised you didn't the, uh, take it. Yeah. Well, I, you were the one who submitted it. Uh, Kirsty McCall, who was the other singer in fairy tale of New York. She also tragically passed away years and years ago. So now both of these singers featured in that song have passed on. And, uh, it's, it, it's an amazing song. It is not a happy Christmas song. And there's also some, uh, foul language in it just to keep you on the up and up. It is not your typical Christmas song. But uh, yeah, uh, very sad to hear of his passing. All right, here's my my first 30 seconds or less. Now that the various strikes are over, we're hearing a lot about various productions getting back up to speed. And one of those is Venom 3, according to star Tom Hardy. Now, originally, the plan was to release Venom 3 on July 12th of next year. That has now been pushed back to November 8th. So still for next year. Uh, so in case Craven and Madam Web don't have you excited which would be sane, then maybe the next film in the Spidey without Spidey spinoff will excite you. So there you go. I stand by it. I liked the first Venom. Uh, it's the only one I've watched. Okay. Another thing that uh, picked up production very briefly was Beetlejuice 2. Um, apparently when the strike happened, they only had a day and a half of shooting left. And now that's over. They're done with principal photography. It's supposed to come out, I think, later this year. Oh, yeah, it's supposed to come out in September. I am excited that Willem Dafoe is playing a deceased uh, action star turned detective. Um, So he's basically playing Bruce Campbell, Um, (laughs) which is enough for me to see the movie all by itself. But I'm glad that they were able to get everybody back to to finish up because I know how frustrating it is to be so close to the end of a project and not be able to complete it. That gives me anxiety. That's that's also not the last time we'll mention Willem Dafoe in this podcast. But anyway, 
Next up, Marvel has tapped Michael Waldron to write both upcoming Avengers films. That would be the Kang Dynasty and then Secret Wars. Waldron is the creator of the MCU streaming service Loki that Ariel talked about just moments ago. And that, of course, introduced Kang to the MCU. Waldron also wrote Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So, you know, your mileage may vary. It's not all good. Uh, Currently, the plan is for the Kang Dynasty to premiere on May 1st, 2026 and Secret Wars on May 7th. 2027 so we got a while to wait yep next is something we talked about a while ago which is the sequel to this is spinal tap um it is still in the works it begins production in february starring christopher guest michael mckeon and harry shearer but apparently we're also going to get some fun guest stars like paul mccartney elton john and garth brooks i like this is spinal tap a lot i wonder how a sequel will hold up current day because i I haven't watched it all too recently. Uh, I think it'll be fun to have like the whole aging rock star element in there. Kind of like, you know, sort of spoofing off of bands like the Rolling Stones, Uh, you know, and and the original film also had a ton of interesting supporting characters and cameos in it, like Fran Drescher, Billy Crystal. You know, there were a lot of people that if you watch the film, you're like, oh, my gosh, that guy is in it. It's pretty cool. Uh, All right. James Cameron has said that Avatar 3 is in post-production and will continue to be in post-production for two more years with a planned premiere date around Christmas 2025. Avatar 4 is currently expected to debut on December 21st, 2029, and Part 5 on December 19th, 2031, which will put it 22 years after the original Avatar film. Also, Cameron plans to become a New Zealand citizen next year. Good for New Zealand. I I do like in the article you posted, which we'll put in our show notes, uh, when all of these actors start thinking about how old they will be when this when the series ends. Yeah. Um, speaking of speaking of old series, did you know that the movie Hook, uh, the story about Peter Pan who has grown up and become an accountant and now goes back to uh, Neverland to fight Dustin Hoffman? along with um, Pretty Woman. Uh, you was originally going to be a musical? Neither did I. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but apparently uh, if you did or if you're just finding out but it's still excited about it, the new movie soundtrack, the expanded movie soundtrack that they're releasing for the movie will include some of those musical numbers. And that is exciting to me. I look forward to them actually putting it up on stage. And I wonder if Jonathan will like it better as a musical. Oh man. I wanted to like that movie. I love Dustin Hoffman's performance. And I love that you referred to Julia Roberts as pretty woman. All right. Lionsgate has secured the rights to adapt the Stephen King story, The Long Walk, into a film. Uh, That story is set in a dystopian future in which kids compete with each other on an epic walk with the last one left standing, the winner. And for the losers, well, it's pretty grim. J.T. Molnar will write the adaptation, and Francis Lawrence, the director of The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes and Ladders, is going to direct interesting i never read the longest walk but i've heard it synopsized to me and it disturbs me uh something else i've never done is played grand theft auto but for everybody who's looking forward to the next grand theft auto game the trailer for six arrives on tuesday and by that i mean the fifth so yeah uh i know people have been waiting for it so for all those gta fans congratulations and happy holidays 
yeah, I'll be in Epcot on that day, so I'll probably have to watch it when I get back. Maybe I doubt I'll even like by the time I get back to the hotel, I'm not going to be conscious. So uh, let's just be honest. It'll mm-hmm. be a few days for me to, to wait and see it. Eli Roth's horror film Thanksgiving was a surprise hit, having been inspired by a tongue-in-cheek fake trailer for the double feature film Grindhouse 16 years ago. And I hope you have room for seconds, because The Hollywood Reporter says Roth will return for the sequel, which TriStar Pictures plans to release in 2025. I thought Thanksgiving was a fun, schlocky horror film, very heavy on the gore, but that's Roth's style. Interesting. Uh, also interesting, the U.S. Postal Service announced that they are, they announced their 2024 season stamps, which they do. But this upcoming year, we are getting a series of D&D stamps uh, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Dungeons and Dragons. They're all based off of previous like cover art of books and things like that and other art, like official artwork from D&D. But they're delightful. They're delightful. Cool. Roll to save against lost mail. All right. <laughs> Finally, Universal Pictures released a second trailer for the upcoming film Night Swim, which is about a supernatural evil lurking in a swimming pool attached to a house, as far as I could tell. The film's inspiration is a short film from the same director that was made several years ago. It was also called Night Swim. You can see it on YouTube. It is two minutes, 45 seconds long once you cut the credits off. I know because I actually watched it a year ago when I got on a short horror film kick. And I have no idea how they stretched a thin concept, not even a premise like this. It's so short. It's like just an idea. There's no story. I don't know how they stretch that to be a feature length film, but it comes out on January 5th. So I guess I'll find out. Yeah, you can watch that. I tried to watch the trailer. I got five seconds in. I'm like, I'm going to have to watch this with no sound on double speed. I still couldn't do it. I like swimming at night. I know. Okay. (laughs) And you know what? Like, I, I really don't, you know, maybe it'll turn out to be a great horror film, but I think part of the problem is that some of these horror shorts, they're so effective because they're leaning very heavily on evocative imagery and very like, uh, shocking twists that only work Mm -hmm. in the context of a very short production. And you can't really tease that out over the course of like 90 minutes or whatever. Uh, There was that one, I can't remember what the name is now, but there was that one uh, short film where there's a woman, she's in her house. And when she turns off a hall light, she sees a silhouette of a figure menacingly standing there. When she turns it on, there's nothing there. And then she turns off the light and she can see it again. And they turned that into a full length film and it didn't do so well. And I'm just wondering if this is going to be the same sort of thing. I guess we'll, I guess you will see. Uh, (laughs) So we're on to our regular news, but it was real hard not to just segue into another 30 seconds or less by saying uh, there's going to be some stuff soon that you won't see, at least on max. Yeah. uh, I actually, I made a so there's a full list that you can read uh, that that Warner Brothers Discovery published on their press release page. And I have a selection of some of the stuff that's leaving. This is just a sample. Uh, but for example, uh, Frisky Dingo, the Adult Swim series is leaving. Delocated, a different Adult Swim series is leaving. The Man from Uncle is gone. Um, Annabelle 
Annabelle Creation and Annabelle Comes Home are all going. Uh, the Avengers, not the superheroes, but the 1998 film adaptation of the British TV series mm-hmm. is going. But good riddance. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's I, a t- terrible look, movie. I enjoyed it. OK, for everyone else out there who wants to know, it has a 5% Rotten Tomato score. <laughs> Five percent of all critics gave it a positive review, and ninety-five percent said it was gave it a negative review. Now, Ariel is in that rare group of five percent. <laughs> Me, I'm I'm with the majority on this one. I that movie was incomprehensible, and Sean Connery was terrible in it. Um, yeah, but it gave me such good cosplay fodder to be Emma. Uh, Emma Peel. Emma Peel. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's stands for male appeal. Ha, I didn't know that, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's from the original series. I, I, you can go back to the original series. And I mean, there's a lot of like Emma Peel has a lot of in common with, say, Catwoman from the 1960s Batman series. Speaking of which, the 1966 Batman film will also be leaving. <laughs> uh, nice. Blade Runner 2049 is leaving. Brigadoon. Um, the Conjuring 2. Only one in the Conjuring series, as far as I could tell, that's leaving. Uh, Elf. Um, a whole bunch of DC superhero girls films called like hero of the year, intergalactic games and legends of Atlantis. Those are all gone uh, at the end of December. Quick. I want to, I want to interject there because I saw another article saying these DC 10 DC properties are leaving max. And it showed all of like the big, like the Snyderverse ones. And I was like, this is such clickbait. It frustrated me. Now I'm sad that the, the superhero girls are leaving, but also we know that max is taking a step away from children's animated so it's not a surprise i hope it finds its way somewhere else okay continue yeah. on yeah all these yeah the the series that are leaving that are all dc related tend to be the animated ones except for batman 1966 which might as well be a cartoon mm-hmm. um several texas chainsaw massacre movies are going which is sad for horror fans like me uh the haunting another great horror movie insidious chapter two just chapter two, apparently Uh, the original 95 Jumanji film with Robin Williams. That's going Uh, the Lego movie uh, Looney Tunes back in action. In fact, there was rumor that all Looney Tunes material was going to leave Max, but apparently that has been walked back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Some other stuff like scream, scream two and scream three are all going Paddington Two, the 2004 film adaptation of the musical, the Phantom of the Opera, good riddance uh <laughs> trick or treat a great halloween movie that's going warm bodies uh wonder woman bloodlines is going so yeah it's warm bodies th- this is just again just a kind of a, a selection of some of the geek related properties that are going it's not all of them by any means the list is long and you know yes there's the need to refresh your library every now and then and you can't just continuously pay for larger and larger libraries. You do occasionally have to shift things out, but of course, Warner brothers discovery has a pretty bad reputation for dumping properties. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they didn't have that bad reputation, I'd say this is fine. It might even be beneficial to some of the actors in there. Um, well, I don't know. Cause it depends on when the, the SAG after contract still has not been final finalized, voted on. Um, by the actors yet like it th- that's still in the process i think that happens this upcoming week but if that passes i don't know how soon those royalty adjustments happen i do at least for most of these properties feel like they will find their way to other platforms 
Yeah. Um, which which is good because they're still good movies, even if HBO Max no longer wants that as a part of their library. Um, yeah. And then there's still the good Avengers. Movies, so. Yes. Look, I also like Van Helsing and I also like Dylan Dog Dead of Night. So we all know where my dumb humor button lies. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, it's not all bad news because there's stuff that's coming to Max. And the next story is about something really exciting coming to Max. Yeah. So uh, the Miyazaki film Spirited Away uh, had a stage version that was kind of, I think it was like one of those Fathom event things. You could go to the movie theater and see it possibly. Yes. Yes. Um, it was a very, very limited run. Um, and I was very sad because I didn't get to see it, but it looks like there's great costuming and puppeteering and just stagecraft. It's you know, the thing I love about Beetlejuice. Uh, and now it's coming to Max on December 24th, 25th, 24th. 24th. I think yeah, it's that's really exciting. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of uh, puppetry involved. And I saw little clips of this when there was the Fathom event coming up and was blown away. And I was like, how? Mm-hmm. I've seen Spirited Away. That is an incredibly ambitious project to tackle. But everyone who saw it that I've talked to really thought it was phenomenal. I just haven't seen it yet. So I'm I'm excited that it's coming to streaming. Me too. I may not get to watch it on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day because my husband is not as much of a fan of Miyazaki. He's watched it, but um, cartoons are not always his thing. So if they aren't. Well, this is live. This is live stage. It's not a cartoon. Yeah, he might like it better, Um, but I will definitely watch it this holiday season because it seems like a lot of fun to do. It makes me so happy. Thank you, Max, for that. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Not everything you do is terrible. And we're glad for that. Uh, Nerdist reported, well, I guess a bunch of people reported that there is a first look at Agatha Darkhold of Darkhold Diaries, Darkhold of Darkness, Darkwing Duck. Um, Let's get dangerous. (laughs) Yes. Agatha Darkhold Diaries has released kind of a, a little behind the scenes look at the upcoming series. I really appreciate everybody's excitement and and buy-in and just like enthusiasm for this project. I just am not feeling enthused for it. Well, I'm enthused just to see Catherine Hahn do more stuff because I love her. I think she's, she's got great instincts. She's a great performer, great actor. And so I'm really excited to see her do more stuff. I have no idea where they're going to go with this because of how they did Wanda dirty in Dr. Strange. Um, and really Agatha without Wanda doesn't, it seems it's kind of like having a series about Lex Luthor and Superman doesn't exist. Like what's the point? <laughs> but uh, I, I am, I am curious this behind the scenes stuff is going to be included in a Blu-ray of WandaVision. I didn't even realize WandaVision was going to get physical media, but I think that's pretty cool. I'm I'm glad for it in case it ever leaves streaming platforms. Um because that's one I would buy. Yeah, I'll pick it up because that was I I think that's the the high watermark for uh the Disney Plus Marvel streaming series so far. Like Loki comes close, but WandaVision to me is like that is that is the standard that should be met every time. Um and for the record, like I've liked most of the streaming series, including She-Hulk, which I maintain was very good. But I keep reading people talking about it being trash and uh, you're trash. 
Okay, maybe you're not trash, but I don't the agree epi- with your opinion. The episodes were just too short. They were they ended at weird places, and I feel like they could have like I get maybe ending on like a cutaway that's black and you're like, what? What? But I, I feel like it could have been executed a little bit better. But that being said, I thought the performances were lovely and I laughed a lot. So we also got a first look at some of the images from the upcoming uh, television series based on the Fallout series of games, uh, including a look at uh, the the Brotherhood of Steel characters in their armor and a vault dweller in the vault dweller jumpsuit, as well as a, a picture of uh, Walter Goggins as a ghoul. And they, they look very true to the style of the computer ser- game series. So uh, at least from an appearance side, it looks like it's right on track. Now, the question is whether they can nail the tone, which throughout the Fallout series has been kind of well certainly uneven like it's very hard to reconcile the tone of fallout games because you will have moments of just absolute zany wackiness followed by the most grim of grim stuff and it's hard to have it all kind of make a coherent story so i'm very curious to see what path the television series takes yeah yeah i agree emma purnell who plays lucy looks spot on to the characters in the sh- in the video game you know minus the uncanny valley uh as far as i can tell and walter goggins who still has one of the best names i've ever heard <laughs> walton goggins mm-hmm. uh, goggins yes i think looks, i said walter yeah walton goggins almost mm-hmm. looks more normal as the ghoul than he does in real life <laughs> yeah goggins plays some amazing characters like he's he's so he's really good at being bad (laughs) yeah yeah um always a delight uh this made me wonder about the borderlands movie that has been in production crazy forever in theory it's still happening as of last month yeah we hadn't heard really anything about that for quite some time i mean part of that was because of the strikes but still yeah, yeah. Last month there was an article saying, hey, it's still in the works with the reshoots that have been fun and all. Because with the <laughs> cast like that, you don't just throw it away unless you're certain. Unless you're Warner Brothers people. Discovery. <laughs> I wouldn't get it. Look, uh, I would still happily work for them. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just maybe your work uh, would never be seen. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, it's possible. But. It might also be seen, so we'll never know. Well, we won't. We might know. I'm not going to say we'll never know. We'll probably know at some point, but not today. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Next year for Christmas, we're getting something a little bit darker than Spirited Away. We're getting a new version of Nosferatu. Yeah. uh, And this this has been known for a while, but I somehow, if I had seen this news, I had forgotten it. So I did not realize that there was another there was a new adaptation of Nosferatu in the works and that it was coming out next year. Uh, and and the cast list tickles me. You, you got you got like Nicholas Holt who's going to be cast in Nosferatu. I think that's funny because he was just in Renfield, which is clearly. A, mm-hmm. So Nosferatu is a ripoff of Dracula. It's always been a ripoff of Dracula. The the. Vampire in Nosferatu is called Count Orlock, but it's essentially if you watch the original Nosferatu, it's it's an adaptation of Dracula. Um, 
then so but then you've got like Nicholas Holt, who was Renfield in Renfield, which was obviously another like inspiration from Dracula. And also Willem Dafoe, whom I, I mentioned we were going to talk about again. He's going to be in Nosferatu. And the thing that's funny about that is 20 years ago, he was in a movie called Shadow of the Vampire. And when he was in Shadow of the Vampire, he played the character of Max Shrek. That's the actor who originally played Nosferatu in the black and white film. So it's just funny that he's also in this. Yeah. Yeah. Also people who are in it are Bill Skarsgård and Aaron Taylor Johnson, who I love Aaron Taylor Johnson. He's a great actor. Um, Yeah. And, and Skarsgård is actually playing Orlock, which because when I saw Willem Dafoe was in, I'm like, Oh my gosh, are they going to have Willem Dafoe playing Orlock? Cause that would be hilarious that he played the actor who was Orlock 20 years ago. And now he gets a chance to play the character. No such so, luck. Uh, so I have no idea who he's playing. So I understand that Bill Skarsgård looks like a very GQ model version of uh, Steve Buscemi. Um, but <laughs> I think just base level Bill Skarsgård is too attractive to play a Nosferatu because they're ugly vampires. That's, that's their whole thing. Um, and I feel like if he makes his ugly face, it's going to be Pen- Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise as Nosferatu. Uh, right, where, where his eyes aren't pointing in the same direction. and Yeah, and he's yeah. drooling with his pointy lip. and There's going to be a lot of prosthetics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there would have to be. Look, I, I'm excited for this. We all know I like classic monster stuff. I'm less excited to watch it on Christmas Day, but I will watch it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, ex- well, you know what, Christmas, it's a time for scary ghost stories, according to, you know, that song. So scary ghost stories and tales oh, of the glories oh. of Christmas is long, long ago. So, so is Count Orlock in, then going to find the true Christmas spirit and uh, buy everybody a, a, a roast goose at the end I of sure the hope so. If they, if they combine Nosferatu with the Christmas Carol, I'll be really happy. That would be, that would be a delight. I would watch that on Christmas. Uh uh (laughs) the next thing is also like super a delight which is we're getting a new karate kid movie and they had an open casting call for the new karate kid which is just really cool um ralph macchio and jackie chan made a video and said hey if you're if you fit what we're looking for send in and they got like ten thousand submissions very quickly yeah Super cool. Yeah. So Jackie Chan, of course, was in the most recent uh, version of Karate Kid and Ralph Macchio was the original Karate Kid and then went on to be in Cobra Kai as well. So it's really exciting to see them both involved in this new one. And of course, now that we're getting a new Karate Kid as well, it's not going to be was it Jaden Smith as last one. So um, I'm really I'm really curious to see how this project continues, because I really um I have a soft spot in my heart for the Karate Kid franchise. Uh, I really have a soft spot for the first two because I was young when both of those movies came out and uh, very much liked them when I was a kid. So uh, I I look forward to seeing what uh, the next story will be. It makes me surprised that you haven't finished Cobra Kai, honestly. Yeah, I never I've I don't think I've even watched a full episode of it. I've seen clips of Cobra Kai. Like I, I've seen like compilation clips of of different things in it. Um, but I have not actually watched a full episode. I like it, even though at 
very many times during the series. I was infuriated at the dumbness of both the adults and kids. I still really enjoyed the series. Uh, back to the casting call. I am also excited because for the new karate kid, they're looking for someone who is Chinese or uh, partially Chinese to play the role. And I think that's also a, a good choice. So, yeah. And that they're looking for preferably someone who can speak English and Mandarin. Although that's, that's kind of a like ideal situation sort of thing. Yeah. And also someone who is 15 to 17. Cause I think Ralph Macchio was older when he played the karate kid. Yeah. I think he was approximately 53 when he was the karate kid. <laughs> no, that's how old he is now. I'm sure. Uh, funny thing. Tony told me, I didn't realize this Terry Silvers, which is in the third movie, which you didn't like as much. Uh, I think he's the third movie uh, was younger than Ralph Macchio is younger than Ralph Macchio. Very interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It blows my mind, uh, <laughs> but it's fun trivia. Um, uh, we also this week got the first trailer for Furioso, which is a spinoff of the most recent Mad Max movie. Mm -hmm. um, With Anya Taylor joy who you love. Uh, yes. My girlfriend, but... Taylor joy is in the movie. <laughs> I'm jealous. Uh, also, it you had to be my girlfriend Chris... <laughs> or you wanted to be Anya Taylor joy's girlfriend. Okay. Yeah, no, that I want to be right. Anya Taylor joy. Period. Oh, got it. Got uh, it no, got I it. like, I like being me. Um, anyhow, uh, the thing that surprised me because apparently I either have a very short memory or haven't been paying enough attention is that Chris Hemsworth is in it and he's playing what looks to be like a bargain bin version of Thor. Yeah. I liked it. Cause like he wasn't, I mean, I'm bad at recognizing people anyway, but he wasn't immediately recognizable to me. And I saw, saw him in the trailer and before it got to the point where it had his, his credit, title show up on screen i was like is that chris hemsworth <laughs> when i first saw him i was like is that chris, Hem chris hemsworth and then he talked i'm like surely it can't be but who the heck is that but it is chris hemsworth i yeah, yeah i like that he's he's going outside of his normal um marvel uh shtick which of course you would uh but in the, in the movie his character wears like a ratty yellow or ratty red uh cape which just reminds me of a very like uh, toxic wasteland version of Thor. Yeah. He also, he also rides a chariot pulled by a motorcycle, which is incredibly cool. Like when I saw that, yeah. that design of a vehicle, I'm like, man, I love the vehicles in Mad Max. They're some of my favorite, yeah. like, like, film design things. Also the cinematography that was on display in that trailer was phenomenal. Uh, didn't get to mm -hmm. a whole lot from Anya Taylor joy, apart from looking like a badass. Uh, we didn't get a, a whole lot of, of lines from her. So it's kind of hard to, to target where her, her performance is here. I'm just glad we're finally going to get this. Cause I remember seeing interviews of her a couple of years ago where she was talking about the filming <laughs> <laughs> and so it's been a mm -hmm. while since uh since the yeah. filming on this picture wrapped but um yeah i i'm really looking forward to it i very much enjoyed fury road and this looks like it's going to be another like it's probably going to be another two-hour chase scene but i'm okay with it because mm -hmm. fury road was so good 
Yeah, I I feel the same way. I didn't expect to like Fury Road as much as I did because I'm like, it's a giant chase scene. Normally, I don't like just, even though I like car stunts, I don't like movies that are just one giant chase. Yeah. I find them kind of, they they make me a little anxious and also it's it's one shtick throughout the whole movie. Yeah, it, they make me bored because like, I, I think of like the, um, the, uh, the pod racing scene in the first Star Wars movie and I almost fell asleep in it. And then when they released it, on home video, they actually made it longer. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? This is too much. I feel like that movie was made for kids though. And not for you at the age you were when it came out. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I won't, I won't go on my star Wars rant. <laughs> yeah. We don't have time for that today. I, yeah, I really like Mad Max. I really liked Fury Road. I'm looking forward to this, even though Anya Taylor joy as badass as she is, doesn't look like Charlize Theron to me. But, no. you know, the Wastelands can do a lot to a person, so I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, well, let me put it to you this way. If the Wastelands, if the if the ravages of the Wastelands turned an Anya Taylor-Joy into a Charlize Theron, they're not that bad. <laughs> right, like, right. Go from uh, one, I, one gorgeous young woman into a, and another gorgeous, slightly older woman is okay. I agree. Maybe, maybe we all need a little wasteland. That's not true. Uh, the other thing I'll say is like, I'm, you and I have both kind of talked about prequels and how much do we actually need them before, but her character like was a cool character and we learned very little about her. So I think this prequel is okay. As opposed to the next uh, prequel we're about to talk about, which is the prequel to Ted, you know, that horrible Seth MacFarlane movie about a talking teddy bear that everybody can hear. Yeah, we got a we got a trailer for um, a prequel series that'll run on Peacock. It it is also, of course, called Ted. And Ariel, I want to ask you a an important. So, did you watch the trailer? Yeah. Okay. How many times did you laugh? <laughs> Zero. Oh, hey, you laughed just as many times as I did. <laughs> I, you know, and sometimes I like Seth MacFarlane and I loved the Orville. This property is just not for me. Yeah, same here. Like, it's just it just comes across as obnoxious and mean spirited, but not in a funny way. Like, it's just. Yeah, I don't know. I I do not get the appeal at all. Like, there's the gimmick. I get the gimmick. The gimmick. Teddy bear comes to life, turns out to be a foul mouthed pot smoking, uh, sexist, uh, uh, low life, just like the guy who's his best friend. Ha ha ha. Isn't yeah. that a funny concept? The problem is that's it. That's all I've seen. Like, I don't see anything beyond this concept, which I don't necessarily find that funny to begin with, uh, because I've seen other yeah. movies like meet the feebles where you, you take the concept of like characters, like puppet characters or Avenue Q. If you want to talk about stage version, uh, these characters that would normally be geared towards kids being actually terrible characters or whatever. I've seen it before and I've seen it done better. So yeah. this did not appeal to me even in the slightest. Yeah. Especially like I could even maybe understand if they're like, this shows how the main character got to be that foul mouth, uh, you know, um, sarcastic, poor minded person but it doesn't do that and even scott grimes who plays the dad in it who i love from the orville and he was even in my very favorite christmas movie of all time way back in the day the night they saved christmas he played one of the kids he couldn't even save this trailer for me yeah i 
Yeah, this was a total miss for me as well. Uh, maybe folks who are big fans of Ted, the film, no shade on you. If you like that, that's awesome. It's just your taste yeah. is different from Mars. That's totally cool. Different tastes are great. Uh, maybe you yeah. will find the series trailer to be knee slappingly hilarious. But for me, it was just like, I do not, I, I'm not going to hate watch this. I did that for Velma. I'm not going to do it for this. <laughs> I am. I am good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next trailer you're going to have to talk about because I, you added it and I didn't get to watch it before. Oh, okay. So sad. this is, this is a series that Bruce Campbell is hosting. It's called discontinued. And according to the trailer uh, by Bruce Campbell, this, by the way, this is not a fictional, like narrative based series from what I can tell, but it does have a premise. And that premise apparently is that the year is 2037 and it's a dystopian uh, future and everybody is kind of locked away. And for some reason, Bruce Campbell has to talk about different stuff that has been discontinued. And like, I'm talking about real stuff in the real world. So like there would be an episode that would go into an actual thing that is no longer really a thing. So like VHS tapes could be an example, right? Because those have been discontinued. No one is making new VHS tapes. The last company to do that stopped a couple of years ago. So that could be an episode to talk about the history evolution and then the discontinuation of the VHS tape. That would be an episode, but it's not just that it's things like television series or various specific products, that kind of thing. So very weird that they have it set in this premise set in a dystopian future. But I dig the idea. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I do dig that idea. And I will look forward to watching the trailer when we get off of this episode. Um, <laughs> and that is it. Uh, Jonathan, if our dear friends want to talk to us about any of the things that they've talked about, or that we've talked about today, or that they've talked about, really, they could just share their day with us too. How do they reach uh, us slash you? Uh, that's pretty simple. So tonight when you go to bed, uh, that beloved stuffed animal that you've had forever and ever is going to make oh, its no. way right up to you and start talking with you. And you're going to reminisce about all the great times you had together. But over the course of the conversation, you're going to discover this stuffed animal is is a pretty terrible person. Uh, but it's still the stuffed animal that you loved as a kid. So you can't just throw it out. I mean, this is this, this anim stuffed animal stuck with you thick and thin. So you're going to have to just sort of endure its company. And day after day, uh, you're the stuffed animal is going to be walking around with you and commenting on your life and occasionally uh, embarrassing you to terrible degrees, apparently not realizing that it's doing that, but it's going to be making you feel like, crap in front of people you love uh but at the same time it's gonna be like oh i'm sorry i didn't know and you're gonna have to forgive it that's gonna go on for about three months until you have reached a point where you can just no longer even stand to look at this thing because that's how angry it makes you and you're going to be trying to go to sleep and it's going to be talking to you about some terrible thing that you did when you were five years old and it's the sort of thing that would keep you up if you just like you're about to drift off and it suddenly pops into your head and you just feel 
ashamed and angry at yourself all over again, he's going to really start twisting the knife on that. You're just going to turn to your stuffed animal and you're just going to start ripping it apart. Like you're going to tear its head off and it will be screaming the whole time. It will be screaming the entire time. You'll be ripping its arms and legs off. And then when it's laying there in pieces next to your bed, the head will look and say, Jonathan wants to know what your question is. You can ask it and then I'll hear and uh, I'll send you an email. And if you've, man, we really need to get you to to write some more mashups because these are getting dark. Uh, <laughs> if you've given your stuffed animals therapy or just sent them to the Island of Misfit Toys and so you can't or won't do that, you can also reach out to us on social media, on threads, Discord, Facebook, Instagram, we're Large Nerdron Collider. On Twitter, we are LNC underscore podcast. I still don't remember the handle on Blue Sky, but I'm not on there much right now. Um... And if you want to send us an email, it is LNC or large. No, sorry. Ha. Huh, it is large nerdron pod at gmail.com. We really do love hearing from you. Uh, thanks to everybody who's who piped in about Dr. Who on the discord this week. Uh, we love those conversations. You all super, super rock. Um, and happy beginning of December until next time. I have been Ariel, uh, and I have been Jonathan. I'm on vacation, Strickland. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Caston and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com. 